any tips for us mere mortals just starting out and cutting our teeth. It's made photo like aerial photography far more accessible to far more people than it would have been in the past. It would have been a lot. It becomes a lot cheaper to to do to do that type of shot. Does so that lessen the quality though, because it's cheaper and more accessible. I am the podcast. <laughs> you are the podcast. Yeah. We're, this podcast is the People's Countryside Environmental Debate podcast, and we don't talk about the countryside that often, but uh, what we do do is open the door to tough conversations that need having, and we hope we'll learn something new. And today's question is from a listener in Leek in Staffordshire about flying drones. So if you're interested in flying drones, this episode might be for you. It might be. So who are you, William? I'm William Manklu. I'm This question is actually directed at me, mm. uh, particularly because I do fl- I do own and fly a drone myself. Um, I'm a photographer, but here based in the city of Oxford, I do a lot. I've done photograph photography all over Europe, which is quite nice. Um, I also do a live show every week at seven pm. Mm. Come and join me, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm Stuart the Wildman Rabbit. I've been a wildlife gardener for 33, 34 years professionally. I talk about nature. I write about nature. I lead walks in nature. I try and make nature part of people's daily life in the hope that they will want to protect it. You write the same tune, sing the theme tune. Exactly. Uh, the last episode was a little bit of a debate, uh, but very often it's uh, a conversation. We're like two men sat in a pub uh, having a conversation about the big issues. And uh, we, we, we try and offer a bit more than that, though. We try and offer actions that break the big issues down into bite-sized chunks that we can do more than just listen to the podcast and learn we turn this into a community of listeners and who who collectively go out there and are are focusing on the same thing yes so the listener question today is directed at you william do you want to read it yes i will say just before before i go into the question that questions are often they're very varied. So we had questions back in November of, of particularly about the podcast, and we've had we're having questions about where you know what are our favourite parts of the UK. In fact, we've actually got a question coming about particularly about Oxfordshire along the same vein. I think factor in the next episode. Uh, the previous episode we talked about Elon Musk, but in this yep. one, Ken in Leek in Staffordshire. Thanks very much for your question. He's asking me personally, how's the drone flying going, William? And any tips for us mere mortals just starting out and cutting our teeth? So. Ken, I would start with the first question is, are you a photographer already? That would be the first question I'd ask you. And how long have you been photographing for? Because when it comes to flying a drone, the thing you have to really think about is if you're, if you're, using, it, if you're using it just to fly something, it's a very different experience because but if you're doing it for photography, you have to, it's another extra layer of complexity when it comes to your photography because of, of the restrictions you have with your your drone you have to be a little bit more you have to be careful with it you have to be careful with where you fly it so you have to remember you're a pilot as well you have, you have to remember you're a pilot you have to actually get a license for it basic license for the very very small drones is actually quite simple to get but you really you have to pass a test for example so um, mere mortals i would say that i am also a mere mortal when it comes to photography and also flying drones i've been enjoying the process of learning the drone, one thing that it definitely allows you to do is it allows you to get your camera into locations you wouldn't normally be able to. This is the great thing about drone drone um, flying is that it's made photo, like aerial photography far more accessible to far more people than it would have been in the past. Um, I was watching a, as, a, as an aside, I was watching a, a real classic film recently, a film called The Shining, 
directed by Stanley Kubrick. And the actual introduction of that film, I think it's about the first three or four minutes, is basically it's setting the scene of this car going out into the middle of nowhere. So you're following this car through this mountain pass. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, well, this was all done by helicopter. And some of the shots are very low. But now, so that would have been, the, the budget would have been much higher because you would have to have a, hel- a helicopter. I would think now, though, you'd have been able to do all those shots with a drone. It would have been a lot, it becomes a lot cheaper to, to, do, to do that type of shot. Does so, that lessen the quality, though? Because it's cheaper and more accessible? No, not necessarily, but because the, the the digital technology of digital cameras have have, have the micro the, things have become a lot smaller and a lot better quality. Mm. So the smaller smaller doesn't necessarily mean worse quality. You the high end drones are, have got very high definition cameras on them. I my my mine is pretty is is pretty much a a, a standard very very much a entry level drone. Um, I can't remember the exact weight of it, but it's, I believe it's below 250 grams. I think that's the that's the sort of the, the small. That's when it's still really classed mm. as a toy, in a way. But it has a reasonable camera on it, and it allows me to take photographs of shot of places that I've not been able to mm. in the past. Ken, you're based in Leek, Staffordshire, which is south of uh, Buxton, really, and I you've got some really nice countryside. To yes. You, uh, uh, you know the Staffordshire Moorlands and and stuff and, and uh, Tipsworth Water. That that'd be an interesting uh, uh, focal point. But uh, something I'd like to because uh, Ken says um, any tips for mere mortals just starting out cutting cutting their teeth. Could you just quickly talk about the ethics of all this? Because uh, many people probably pick, pick a drone up and say, I want to fly this, I want to do this, I want to do that. Where are the ethics? Uh, people don't talk about that. Well, there's there's definitely a, there's definitely a, a laws when it comes to... Let's start, let's start with the law first. Law isn't necessarily ethical, though. No, it isn't, no. But I want to start with the law. I want to work towards ethics because then I think it, laws are less restrictive than ethics, in my in my personal opinion. So there are laws. Go and, go, go and read the laws so you're, you're aware of what... You you should be doing when it comes to actually flying a drone. Um, it's all to do with distance from where you're from certain objects. So mm. from a group of people that you're are not aware that you're flying the drone. Uh, um, housing is another thing you've got to be very careful with because it's all to do with privacy. I mean, where the law there is there are sort of vague areas of the law there as well. You know mm. what exactly is privacy, what isn't privacy, that type of thing. I think ethically, though. In every time I, I always think, think ethically when I um, every time I launch my drone, I think about where I'm launching it from. I think about the people I try to get to a place where I can control the space around me, which is a good 50 mile, 50, 50 mile radius, 50 meter radius if I can. Mm-hmm. There, where I know that that's a very safe area, there's going to be nobody or very little interaction with people at all. Uh, because one, it's it, it drones could be quite intimidating things. Uh, I think people like the output of drones, but they don't like the drone, the actual drone itself. So be very, you just have to be very mindful of how people actually will react to you flying a drone. Um, so when it, every time I launch, I really think about, right, right, what, what impact is this going to have on, on other people? I'm also very um, aware of the impact it would have on bird life as well. I had a very interesting interaction, and birds are very clever creatures right then be you'd have to do something really catastrophically either catastrophically stupid or catastrophically they uh, mm. accidental to it to even 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 injure a bird with a drone they just won't come nowhere near it yeah maybe but uh so i was flying a drone recently um um in ever over a certain location in oxford 
and we're talking about three or four months ago now, so it was still in the middle of the summer. And um, I was watching the there there were swifts flying around the drone. They were actually you could see them flying. I looked up and they were almost like forming a circle around it, but you could actually see them fly in front of the, the camera. And as soon as I saw one, I was started to bring the drone down very slowly because I thought I, I can't it can't be there. Mm. I wasn't aware of them being there in the originally. So it's mm. like that's the ethical side of these uh, side of it. I were think birds also mob. Uh, when you, oh, I saw this the other, yes, yesterday, I was exactly. at a bus stop and there was a red kite flying over. Yes. And there was a, a group of pigeon, uh, bloke around the corner, that's pigeon, pigeons for racing. Yes. And they all sort of sort of flew above this kite and then sort of swooped down and t- tried to attack it to scare it off. Yes. You might find in breeding season, it's called mobbing. You yes. might find birds mob it, and you have to be careful because the wing, the the blades can cut their wings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They can, you've got to be so careful. And I, I would say as well that don't allow yourself to get too focused on the photograph because it's so easy to go, oh, I can get the drone in this position and I get this photograph. Think about it before you launch. Think about what. Where that where that drone is going to sit? What is it going to sit over? Where who's around you at that point in time? There's a there's a YouTuber which I've seen a couple of videos and I find his videos very up. Uh, uh, people see, people like to support him for some reason, but he's quite obnoxious because he'll go close to a business premises mm. and he'll fly overfly that business premises. Now, probably legally, he's allowed to do that because he's like he's on public land, mm. right? But it's what his motives are. It's the motives, and he has the, he has this sort of like a thing of like just it seems to be looking for an argument. Yeah, yeah. So the police will come, or the business owner will come, and yes. say, well, "Yes, well, you can't you do you can't do this." Who else I come because blah 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 blah. Yeah. Law it's, says this. Law says that. Law says this. Yeah. Law says it's that. It's sort of like you get these people who park outside of uh, police stations and then start filming. And and yes. then the police come out and then try, try and move them on because it's a security risk. And yes. they say, well, what, on what grounds? Don't be a complete yes. Go and do something else. Yeah, so that's the second uh, uh, explicit episode in a row. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I would say, like with any photography, I mean, I would actually branch this out into street photography. You know, people see that street photography is um, almost like homeless pornography, if you know what yeah. I mean, uh, which I think is true. Because I think people take street photography in the sense of, oh, there's somebody in the street, and somebody living in the street, I'll take a photograph of them and mm. uh, I'll get lots of likes because I, I've got mm. empathy, man. Mm. Rather than actually go and have a conversation with the person, find out their life story and actually take a photograph of the story, not mm. of just a person. Oh, this yeah. is Eric. He's fallen on hard times because this has happened in his life. Mm. Uh, but he really, really likes, he really enjoys this in his life. This is why he's holding on to this book. And he, he's hoping on, he's, he, he, at the moment, his challenges are this. Mm. It tells a story about the person. Mm. So if you're doing drone photography, I mean, my, 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 a lot of my early shots in particular have been get the, get the drone up, do a little bit of easy manoeuvres and take a few shots because I'm not because mm. I just want to get used to doing it. How, how do you avoid crashes? Because I know you've had one. I had I had a minor accident. I had uh, my this was in Finland. Um, I had my drone. Unbeknownst to me, I actually didn't have the collision detection properly enabled. Uh, but you can actually have because uh, your your drone has various sensors and cameras on it. Obviously, the one at the front, but it has various sensors all around it. 
So it can actually detect any any physical objects and it will stop immediately. The great thing about drones, maybe the, the real, the really simple instruction when it comes to a drone is if you're flying it and you're not you're not sure whether you've lost control of it or you you know you don't, you're not sure of the controls. Just let go of the controls; it will just stop. Mm. It doesn't really have very much momentum, even when it's flying at quite quite a, fi- a high speed. Uh, there are various apps that you can you can you can check out that will tell you uh, the conditions of the weather at the time, whether and, and it will also tell you whether or not you're allowed to fly in that location. It might give you advance warning because sometimes. I had a, I was flying a drone in the part, part of Oxford, which was absolutely fine for me to launch it from that place. But it was saying, in the future, in the near future, you can't you can't launch here because of this reason. And I found out actually later on the reason why is because there was in that vicinity somebody was going to launch a weather balloon. Mm. So yeah. they would say they would mark out a, mark out a certain area. Um, if you have if you're near any sort of big um, air, airport. Mm. Uh, or airport of any any size really, and not just not just military, but military is definitely got to be very careful about military military bases because for obvious reasons, security reasons. Um, same for for um, public or private air bases, air, air, air bases or airfields. It's more it's security, but it's also uh, safety as well. You've got to be very much aware of these things. Um, mm. It's not the airspace over the over the UK is restrictive, but it's there are definitely places you can get your drone up. Is that a euphemism? The uh, <laughs> are there any models of drones that you could uh, recommend? I don't I I don't know enough about drones mm. to be honest with you to answer that question. And I've seen you uh, when you're flying your drone, you've linked it to your telephone there in some way, so you're controlling it through that. Yeah, so the, the, the controls so the controls are actually through a remote, con- you can actually control the drone without the phone entirely, because the controls are actually like a remote control. They mm. have like two, they have two um, like, like just a remote control device but what you do is you attach your phone to it and the phone actually then connects to it has, it has its own software for the, um, so I've got a DJ, G, DJI um, I can't remember the exact model, but DJI is one of those sort of big Chinese makes of, of drones um, they actually give you provide you software which links directly to your phone that what the phone does is it gives you the visuals from the camera but it also gives you things like uh, alt- altitude um, and all sorts of different just basically different readings it tells you that you um, that give you information about your drone um, you need to be able to have a certain amount of connections so um, satellite connections I believe it is um, to actually really make it reliable, so you can control your drone relatively well. Uh, the thing, you, the thing that I always find really useful as well is you can do what's called a precision, precision takeoff with with the with a DJI drone. I don't know whether drones do this. I'm sure they do. So the drone will actually just go up to about I think it's 1.6 meters, and as it's takes taken off, it's taken a series of images of that at that location, so that if anything happens to the drone, so if the battery is running low. Or if you need to get the drone back quickly, you can press the home button and it will automatically come back to that position. Just remember that if you move yourself, mm. <laughs> that location won't change mm. unless you set it again. There was a there was a there was a story which I heard of of, of um, a drone being lent to somebody, uh, and that person was uh, on a a narrowboat holiday, so a barge holiday on the canal, and they set it so it would follow them do a video, continuous video, and follow it, tracking the barge. Mm. And um, they pressed the home button. 
the, the home button. Where they started and landed in the water. Landed in the water. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens? Where's the fail safe? What happens if your phone and all the apps start failing? How do you land that thing safely? Um, if, if when a drone, if a drone goes out of range for any reason, it will automatically return to the place that you set as home. Or okay. the place it launched from. It's an automatic. It's an auto- automatic response. It will also tell you when the battery's running low. It will start beeping mm. at you. The battery's running low. So there's a lot of fail safes okay. as well. Ken in Leek, Staffordshire, North Midlands, England. Does that answer your question? The question was: How's drone flying going, William? And any tips for us mere mortals just starting out and cutting our teeth? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see your photographs if you actually are out there, especially in in. Um, in the Peak District, because yeah. Leek is in the Peak District pretty much, isn't it? Mm, yeah, just south of. Yeah, so if you're getting out to the Peak District, I'd love to see some photographs that you've got. I'm, I'm on social media myself, um, shot at an angle um, on Instagram and uh, Twitter and um, Facebook. So if you're on any of those, you can also email me, william at shot at an angle.co.uk. I'd love to see your photographs. Mm. I think the... Uh, I'd love to see anybody's photographs. Just email me your photographs and I can do some critique for you as well. The um, I think the Peak District starts just past the Roaches and Titsworth water, water because I think south of there is the Staffordshire Moors. But it's right. um, I, Axe Edge and, and uh, Long Nor maybe that starts tipping into the Peak District. But it's a bit of a grey area where all these things begin and end. Anyway, that was Ken in Leek. And the next episode, we've got a listener from called Kenny. Who killed Kenny? So um, from Ken to Kenny. Yeah, in Little Whitnam, Oxfordshire, England. Uh, if you know Whitnam Clumps, that's uh, very close to Little Whitnam. Yes. So he has a question. There's also a Long Whitnam as well, isn't there? Yeah, and that's about... Um, the question's going to be about our favourite parts of Oxfordshire. So stop by, check us out. We're back very soon. <laughs>